It's good to see you all here today. I hope Thanksgiving was a was a good time for you, some time with family and friends, and it's good to see you back and good to have you here today. Let me remind you once again that we continue our stewardship efforts with our pledge campaign and as of last Monday, we were up to 141, about 71% of the 200, which is our goal. So we're moving in the right direction. And I know that by the grace of God and by your generous spirits, we'll end this year strong and we'll begin next year strong as well. There are still some cards around. Of course, you can uh, make this commitment online and it's a secure way to do that. And our financial administrator, Owen, will... Uh, We'll get that information, and it would be of great help to us. So continue to pray about that if you haven't uh, made that commitment already. We, uh, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're considering. It is the first Sunday in Advent. It's good to have the wreath here. Thank you all for helping us get things started today with the lighting of the wreath and our scripture lesson for this first Sunday in Advent from the Old Testament, from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 33. And I want to begin reading with verse 14. Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Has it been a whole entire complete year since Advent 2018? Seems like it was day before yesterday. As a good friend of mine likes to say, time flies whether you're having fun or not. So here we are. Our feet are just inside the door of another Advent, Advent 2019. We gaze longingly into the darkness of these short December days, long December nights, searching for the light that has come and searching for the light that is yet to come. Advent, a season of preparation preparing to celebrate the birth of the Christ child, preparing to acknowledge the way Jesus the Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, comes into our life and into our church and into our world every day, and then preparing to acknowledge and receive him when he comes in his final glory. Advent's a season of introspection. If we dare look into our hearts... The scripture lessons chosen for the Advent Christmas season this year allude to a powerful love that we wait for, that we anticipate in the coming of the Christ, that we witness at the birth of the Christ child, and that we embody as the children of God, the body of Christ in this world. The hymn, Love Came Down at Christmas, and you'll hear segments of that hymn as we light the Advent candles each week. That hymn reminds us that God lives among us and within us, that our love is a token of the presence of God still working today. And the hymn was composed by Christina Rossetti in 1885. It's brief, 
Love came down at Christmas, love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas, star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead, love incarnate, love love divine. Worship we our Jesus, but wherewith? For sacred sign. Love shall be our token. Love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and neighbor. Love for plea and gift and sign. A more current song, Testify to Love, is also going to be a part of our Advent readings. It was a song recorded by Winona Judd and by a group called Avalon. It was part of that television show that was so popular. How long ago has that been now? Touched by an Angel. You may remember the song as being a part of that show. And it's the inspiration for our 2019 Advent series. And our foundation verse of scripture for this series is from 1 John Chapter 4, verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Testify to love. We'll sing that as our benediction response, and let me remind us now, and I'll do it again later, that after the benediction, at the close of the service, the choir will sing through this once for us. It's in the bulletin, and then we'll all sing it together, and hopefully that way we, we all learn that course testify to love. To testify is to make a solemn declaration of truth, to bear witness, to make known publicly. In 1985, country singer Mel McDaniel recorded a song called Stand Up. The verses, for the most part, are not really appropriate for Sunday morning church, but the refrain is passable. We're talking about testifying, standing up. I said, stand up. Have you ever been there? Stand up. Identify. Stand up. Tell us all about it. Stand up and testify. Local congregations, I don't know if it was ever part of the tradition here or not, but many local congregations used to have gatherings that they refer to as testimony meetings. Some of you may remember that. Folks would be given an opportunity to stand up and to share some of the ways that God had been at work in their life or in the life of their church or in the life of the world around them, they would witness and they would testify to what they had seen and heard. This was risky business, of course. From time to time, the Holy Spirit got blamed for things that were not the Holy Spirit's fault. And at other times, testimony meetings could become brag and boast kind of sessions. Someone said they were a forerunner of social media. I don't know if there's anything to that or not. But a word of testimony from someone that we know and love and trust can be a powerful way to communicate the reality of the gospel. It's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Testify to love. The theme of our Advent series and our focus for today is testify to righteous love. Based on Jeremiah thirty-three fifteen. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch, an offshoot, to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Now a few words about the Old Testament book of Jeremiah and then a few words about righteousness. Jeremiah was the son of Hilkiah, a priest at Anathoth. As such, he may have been a descendant of the priest Abiathar, who was banished by Solomon to Anathoth. His ministry began in 627 B.C., and we think he died in Egypt somewhere around 587. 
The book bearing his name consists of a collection of oracles. An oracle is a prophetic statement, a short prophetic statement. And so a collection of these aimed at Judah and Jerusalem, which he dictated to his aide Baruch. Other materials were added when the book was edited sometime after 560 B.C. A lot of the book is not in chronological order. And that's okay as long as we study it and think about it and try to figure out what happened first and what happened next. But there are many signs that the book was compiled over a period of years and it was put together with all of these different prophetic sayings from Jeremiah. Now, unique to the book of Jeremiah is a series of laments. And you know what a lament is, what it is to lament, an expression of deep sorrow and pain and grief and deep concern. And they begin in chapter 11, and there's no other Hebrew prophet who, who seems to be so personal, so comprehensive reflection of the spiritual struggle that Jeremiah was having with God. And with what was going on in the world, it was not all easy for Jeremiah. Unusual, too, is the wealth of detail explaining some of the tough circumstances that he went through in this life. You remember him being, being dropped in that cistern, in that pit, and, and left there. The prophet Jeremiah was much concerned with reward and punishment, with good and evil, with faithfulness and disobedience. He criticizes pretty heartily those who would worship any other God than the Lord God of Israel. And he calls folks to return to God. And he speaks of a new covenant, a new agreement, a beginning again with that relationship that we can have with the living and the loving God. In the Old Testament, God acts in righteousness, that is, reliably reliably and faithfully in a manner that people can trust. God speaks the truth, and all the folk who hear the voice of God and know the voice of God get in line with that divinely revealed character. God judges by upholding justice in the covenant community. And God speaks up. And God stands with those who are oppressed and those who are captive and those who are poor. Righteousness shades into salvation and it leads us to believe in God's message of deliverance. The New Testament, according to some scholars, three books with major references to righteousness. Romans, 2 Corinthians, and Philippians. Righteousness is God's saving action in Christ. And its entity into entry into human experience is by faith in Christ the righteous one. A relationship with Jesus the Christ enables us to be made righteous and to live in community and in conformity with, with God's demands. Have you ever heard the expression, you don't hear it much anymore, or I don't, maybe I'm not in, in the right places at the right time. People will respond sometimes to something that's been said or done and they'll say, that's so righteous. For a word that has not been that commonly used in our language for a while, the slang use of the word righteous can serve as a metaphor for the kind of love that came down at Christmas and for which we prepare yet again. There are similarities in the biblical usage of the word righteousness in the 21st century usage. Righteousness is life and love permeated with integrity exceptional living and loving and in our exploration this sunday exceptional loving the depths of love go beyond warm and fuzzy feelings and we're talking about exceptional relationships right 
relationships. It seems to me that our bumper sticker theology, our refrigerator magnet theology of our heart this and our heart that is indicative of the way that the real meaning of love has been devalued in our society. We say that we love everything from Reese's peanut butter cups to Starbucks lattes and the latest electronic gadgetry. We just love it all. But isn't the love that came down at Christmas, isn't the love that motivates us to go the extra mile on behalf of our neighbors and on behalf of strangers? Isn't that the powerful kind of love we're talking about? And that's the love we prepare for during the season of Advent. The kind of love that might make us exclaim, that's so righteous. Where have we seen and where have we experienced that kind of love in action, making a difference? I stumbled across some stories recently. And as I shared just a couple of these short, brief stories with you, these accounts, I hope you'll be thinking about some ways. When have you last seen righteous love expressed in this world? Maybe in your home or your place of work or at school or wherever you happen to be, wherever you happen to hang out. Wherever your perch is to view this world, have you seen righteous love? A story from Leslie Wagner in Arkansas, and some of you may have been in a similar situation at some point earlier in your life. She said, when the supermarket clerk tallied up my groceries, I was about $12 short. And I began to remove items from the back when another customer behind me handed me a $20 bill. Don't put yourself out, I told him. And he told her, he said, let me tell you a story. He said, my mother's in the hospital. She has cancer. And I visit her every day and I take flowers every day. And this morning she said to me, why do you keep bringing me these flowers every day? And she got mad at me for spending my money on flowers. So here, she said, take that money, do something good with it. Oh, here, this money is my mother's flowers. Please take this money. And she did. In a second story from a woman named Jamie, she writes, while going through a divorce, my mother felt like she was just losing it all, losing much of the income that had kept the household going. Same bills were coming, no way to afford groceries. And it was around this time that she began feeling just bitter and depressed and angry. But it was also at this time that these food boxes started showing up outside the door. And they went on for months. They were there every day. And they did not stop until my mother had a job and had income and was able to get back on her feet once again. Those food boxes saved our lives. And they never knew where they came from. I mean, today we would know. We've all got those work. You've all got a ring camera up on your front porch, don't you? That's to keep folks from taking things. You don't expect people to bring things and leave them at your doorstep. That's a gift. And then a story from Stacy in Maryland. She said, I I went into a consignment shop. I knew my granddaughter would love the dress that I found. But money was tight, so I asked the store owner, can you save this for me? Can you put it on hold and and I'll be back? May I buy the dress for you? Ask another customer. Thank you, but I cannot accept such a gracious gift. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to take a gift. Then she told me why it was so important to her to help me. She said, I've been... I was homeless for three years, and some folks stepped up and began to help me. And if it had not been for the kindness of strangers, I would not have survived. It was that difficult. I'm no longer homeless. My situation has improved. She said, I promise that if I ever reached a place where I could repay the kindness, then I was going to do that. So she paid for the dress, 
And the only payment she wanted was a hug. One more story. Well, maybe two, maybe three, but not much longer. A physician in Gainesville, Florida, and he said as he walked through the parking lot, all he could think about was the dire dire diagnosis that he had recently given to uh, a man named Jimmy, a patient, Jimmy, pancreatic cancer. And just then he said, I noticed an elderly gentleman handing some tools to someone who was working under the stall car. And that someone was Jimmy. And I said, Jimmy, what are you doing? Jimmy dusted off his pants and said, my cancer did not tell me to stop helping other people, doc. And then he waved at the old man and said, try now to start your car. And the engine roared to life. The old man thanked him and and drove off as well. And Jimmy got into his car and left. And the doctor said the take-home message was kindness has no limits and no restrictions. Righteous love. I wish I could do a better job of describing it. But I think I know it when I see it. And one of the places, so to speak, where I've seen it the most is in the relationship of married couples who've been together for a lifetime, for years and years and years. Now the time has come for death to do them part. And the extraordinary care, the gentle touch, the consoling words, the remembering of good days too rapidly gone by, It can be messy and stressful and tiring and exhausting. Folks who themselves, and you've seen it, are full of aches and pains, full of years, serving and loving and caring for one another and knowing the difference. If there is a difference between obligation and privilege, not standing on a soapbox, but sitting by a bedside and testifying to righteous love. Righteousness, right relationship between God and us, between us and others, what comes first? Some people have an experience with the living God. And then out of that experience, out of that conversion, they begin to love and serve and care for others. And some people, they just don't want to hear much about this God thing. And they begin to establish relationships with others around them. And they begin to love and care for other people. And they love their way into a right relationship with God. Love being who God is and what God does. Love came down at Christmas to relate us to the God Most High. The same love teaches us how to love one another. Folk in low places and high places and everywhere in between. There is one more story from Donna. She said in January, a fire destroyed a family's home and all the belongings were destroyed. And a little boy, six-year-old boy, all of his Christmas things were, were burned up. And a classmate from his school who had a birthday at about that same time, she asked her mom and dad, she said, Mom and dad, can I give my birthday presents to this Boy, he lost everything. And the woman telling the story, Donna said, that act of kindness will stay in my heart forever. That was my grandson. Okay, I didn't tell the whole truth. That's not the last story. There are many more stories yet to be told. May these holy days of Advent bring you and me to countless opportunities 
to testify to righteous love. You can buy or borrow or build your own soapbox. But most of these opportunities will come with the soapbox. I will testify to love. Amen.